people have bought, but they're not sold yet. Okay. So Ooh, how do I like, that was actually fire. Shit. Bars, <laughs> um, bars son. Bars. <laughs> bars. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of your favorite D2C podcast, AdSpend. Uh, we have our favorite Cuban, the Miami monster, Joel Padron, joining us today um, of CrossNet fame and now partner at Homestead, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Look yes, at that, sir. One, of the, one of the top agencies in the country, if not world. Um, we're going to be talking about pre-click, post-click, what you should be looking at, how to acquire customers, all the things acquisition. We're going to have my man, partner in crime. Just one of my all-time favorite humans, Ash Mawani, joining us today, as always, to complete the double duo of the ad spend hosts. Um, yeah, let's just get into it, Joel. Joel, excuse me, man, I gotta get that better. Uh, for people that don't know, kind of give them a little bit of your background, kind of where you were, where you are now, uh, what your specialities are, just kind of coloring the lines for some people, and then we'll get into some tactical stuff. For sure. Um, so I've been in the e-com D2C industry, a lot of social media influencing for almost 10 years now. So I got started influencer marketing, was managing over 100 accounts that I owned on on uh, Twitter, Instagram. So a lot of memes. 100? Yes, over 100 accounts that I owned, managed. Um, so very early days of influencer marketing, worked with some of the world's biggest celebrities, brands, um, started, le started leveraging my own audiences to build e-commerce stores. Um, helped others build their e-com stores. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. And then um, never really ran my own brand that was, you know, seven plus figures a year. So joined CrossNet about two, two and a half years ago. So that was like a real chance where I'm like, all right, I feel like I know what I'm doing. Let me get behind the wheel and like help lead growth, um, you know, at a larger brand, oversee uh, geographic growth, a lot of different channels, retail, um, Amazon completely new to me. So that was a lot of fun getting extremely deep learning as we go, building that, building that brand. And then, um, about five months ago, I switched over to the agency side at Homestead. Um, so that's been a lot of fun applying my learnings, helping out, you know, dozens of brands instead of just one. So it's been a fun experience, just learning, sharing what I can with everybody. Yeah. Amazing. And we actually got to, uh, meet in Miami for the Miami geek out. So He's actually even better looking in person, folks. Um, but that was just a lot of fun. And shout out Shaq, Miami Geek Out, the Nashville one's coming up. Ash, you going to come? You going to come to Tennessee? I Too tight? Have to figure November's that out. chaos to, for you. Yeah, huh? it's, it's November's tough. Q4 is tough. Guys. Q4, Q4 is tough. tough. Yeah, yeah, Q4, Q4 is tough. Um, what was your favorite meme account? What was your favorite influencer account that you were running at the time? It's like if you knew this question, you did it. I'm just saying you did it. But... <laughs> My my biggest and my favorite was I had one of the largest sneaker accounts back then. So it was like Sneaker Bible. I had like 600,000 followers on there. What I an amazing name. I wish I still had it because that would have – it was pretty much the biggest account at the time on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was it was really big. Amazing. Near and dear to my heart. I'm looking at like a used car right next your to me. Wall, here. Your wall of sneakers. Yeah, you're gonna love it when you come into town, Ash. It's <laughs> it's proper. It's really cool. I found a guy that does custom custom acrylic boxes. Shout out Luxie Designs. Um, really cool dude. But, anyways, we won't talk about my shoes. We will talk about. <laughs> we were jamming a little bit, kind of offline before we jumped on the podcast. You had this really cool paradigm that I hadn't heard before in terms of pre-click, post-click. You want to kind of take some people through that? Yeah, absolutely. So, 
One of the big things that I like to look at first when like I'm evaluating a brand, auditing it, or just a friend looking for advice, and it's you need to know what problem to solve first. Um, so the way I just split it up is like, are you having trouble acquiring traffic efficiently, cost efficiently? So that would be kind of like pre-click or at click. Um, or are you having more of a conversion issue? Uh, so that would be like post-click. Is Are you getting traffic efficiently, but you're just not converting it well? Um, that's kind of how I filter out the two separate sides of what the focus is. And it's very clear which, like whenever I audit a brand, it's very clear which direction I need to focus on it. Um, so yeah, each one has its own set of problems. That's a beautiful bifurcation. That's really interesting. And then I'm guessing there's obviously just different tools, tactics, strategies for whether you're on side A or side B, right? So if people are coming to the party, but then they're not drinking, talking to people, or nobody wants to come to your fucking party kind of thing. Pretty much, yeah. If you can't get yeah, people yeah. to your party, you got terrible ads. You need to fix your fix your approach. And then, you know, if people are coming into your door, but your party sucks, they're walking right back out. It means you need to improve your party, aka your brand. I love that. What are some of the things, tactics, strategies? Like, how do you evaluate that? Is there like metrics you look at, or like what what do you use to build that picture? Yeah, really, it's just it's very simple of just looking at kind of industry benchmarks. You know, I know you guys have a nice feature that just rolled out that even gets specific to that industry niche. Um, but for the most part, it's like if your CPC is, you know, an $8 and you're, you know, a lower AOV brand, just off the bat, that's pretty bad. Like I need to focus yep. there. Um, there are a lot of brands that are, you know, they're switching from a different agency and it's like, hey, like your ads are actually hitting like $2 CPC. You have 150 plus AOV. Not bad. We could work with that when your conversion rate is sub 1%, all right, that's where the issue is. And now we need to focus on problems that fix that. Um, so really that's how we split it up. And like the moment for me, it's very formulaic where you just put them through that path. Um, you, you know what you need to fix. And the moment that you see those fixed, you start seeing the boost overall. Um, so that's what I've leaned into works every single time. Um, so I'm happy to jam further into that so people could learn and apply. That's amazing. Ash, you're nodding your head over there. What do you, what do you got for me? I, I mean, that's like the biggest thing I think people are forgetting is that there's, a, there's another person on the other side of the ad, right? It's yeah. like you can kind of show them a really cool ad. You, like, you, you remember the example you always give, Rabo, like the, the, the ad that you were running with the, the, just a happy dog on it, right? Yeah. And it's like just the quality of the audience that does come in from that. Like your stats may look amazing. CTR might be great. CPC is great. But it's like post-purchase, is it congruent? Right. And I think post iOS updates, the biggest thing that we've focused on is just congruency from like ad to landing page to post checkout experience. Right. So, I mean, this is, I don't even know where we want to start. You want to start on like the, the ads end and what really goes into making a good ad. Yeah. Before um, you jump in there, Joel, what, what the fuck are you doing? You're reading the vocabulary app now? Congruency? Wait, what are you doing here? <laughs> You're really stepping the game up. Your audio's on point. You're throwing ten dollar words at me, hundred dollar words at me. Man, no, Ronnie, coming with the heat here. for Joe. Oh, jeez, we out here. Watch we it, we out here, baby. Okay, sorry, sorry for interrupting, Joe. Go ahead now. I just had to get that in. I love it. I love that he said that point because honestly, like that is how I evaluate uh, a lot of brands is that congruency. So even without access to an ad account or anything, I could already call out what your what your issue is without you even telling me you're having the data to back it up. Um, 
So I actually do go into that process first. So you could, I like to go into it without the data first, explore as a, mm. as a consumer like and that. get, and get like your feel, like, was it clear going through it? So I'm very big on what Ash said is that congruency between the ad destination page, et cetera. Um, so if you're a lot like, oh man, it drives me crazy. Everybody's so big on like hooks, angles, all these things, promising the world. And then like, cool, you got me to click the ad. I go onto the landing page or product page, whatever the destination is. And you don't talk about any of the benefits that you just made me click from. Um, so exactly like you're saying, it needs to be very, it needs to continue telling the story. It's all a funnel. But again, people think of it all the time. We think like marketers of like, oh, there's a top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom of funnel. Like you need to stop thinking like a marketer and think like a consumer. So it's just like, is that. this very seamless continuation of my experience? Mm-hmm. Um, there, go ahead. There, just, there's two things that you said that like, I feel like a lot of people are arguing about right now. So like, like one of the biggest arguments right now is like, do I run retargeting, right? I think my biggest argument against it is that why are you still running like sequential retargeting, right? So like you're trying to address the objections after the fact when you should be just addressing them to start with, right? So the way that I've kind of now approached things and people will still tell me this, like, oh, your landing pages are so long. There's so much information. It's like, well, they're, it's handling all the objections. There's a CTA button every fold or every, sorry, every screen um, scroll they can buy when they want to, right? So like your ad is one, that's, that has to stop somebody in their scrolling, right? They're, they're on social to be entertained, whether it's on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, they're there to pass time, right? Eye-catching, something that like people need to have, the hooks, the angles, the first three seconds, the thumbnail needs to stop you in your tracks, right? That's like step one. Step two is, all right, what are you selling? Like what, how, why should I be interested, Right? And I think we're really nailing that with at Avi because it's like you're really calling out the specific pain points without being too like, like calling out the individual like, hey, you're you're going through hair loss, but it's like, hey, like you know, do you want to solve this problem that's out there? Cool, right? right? Sell the click. Then it's like the problem is that people aren't continuing that story from like the ad on their landing page which is like, okay, I'm here because I got sucked in because I'm dealing with this problem, right? Now, how do I, as a, as a brand or marketer, address that and tell you why you're going, you may be going through that problem, right? Then it's like, all right, well, here's the solution to that problem. Here's why I think we're better than every other product out there. Here's our 50,000 member community that swears by the product, um, free shipping, any FAQs, money back guarantee, all the objections are being handled. And then, hey, free shaker with purchase, no brainer, right? I think people don't think of that entire funnel. I think they're, like you said, they're, they're thinking about it in stages. And I think you if, you if you basically compile everything into one, then you're literally giving somebody no option other than to buy right there and there because all their answers are, uh, all the questions are answered. And I think even looking at like ad comments too, like if you still get questions on your ads, just add it into the landing page. Like I think who said it? Uh, Nick Sharma, shout out to Sharma. Um, What he was saying, one of the coolest things that I think um, we're starting to do is literally like get all your comments, stick it in an Excel file and like kind of categorize them. And then 
however many are like in each question right rank them and then like address them in the landing page so that one it takes the, the guesswork out of it and all the questions are answered and then there should be no objections by the end of the day and then conversion rates are typically going to be lifted there oh sorry that was a, that was a long-winded uh response but yeah uh, i i'm 100 with when i was running my agency that was the easiest hack so like we had a creative agency that we would run all of our creatives through right and that's all i would do Every week, I would just go through, especially too, if you're spending at any decent scale, like you're in the ads are at least, you know, somewhat engaging, you're going to get like these incredible comments. And like, the beautiful thing about comments is like, it's like drunk people, they will flame you, they will tell you how it is, there is no sugarcoating or nothing, right. And it's like really helpful, though, because then you can to your point, Ash, like, you can really understand what the objections are of like, oh, is this cheap? Or is this fake? Or is this gonna uh, hurt my fertility? Or whatever and the beauty of it is uh we just took those and then in the to your point of uh and again shout out sharma did you see him flaming figma by the way amazing yeah, love yeah. Kid. <laughs> i love the kid save, um, us some money, save us some money save us some money man <laughs> of the people he is um but it was just such an easy way to aggregate it was just like customer service on steroids because there was no pretense like these people just wanted to be heard and that's it and like it was just so great and honestly I'm sure you have some of this as too, Ash and Joel. I'm sure you've seen this as well, where like the best thing that can happen is somebody like flames the product and then a bunch of other people like actually have the objections solved for them. Like, oh, that actually didn't happen to me. This is why it's so good for me, yeah. blah, blah. And like those ads would just slay. They would absolutely crush. And I think it's too, basically the thesis you just laid out, Ash, is like that ad became a landing page. Because those yeah. top comments would kind of rise to the top and there's all these incredible replies and everybody like, oh, yeah, because these aren't plants. These aren't like fake people. These aren't bots. It's like a real person behind it. Um, so anyways, I'm just kind of piling on with you, Ash, but I, I think that's a really clever. Like, I think the comment section is one of the most underrated. The other thing is if you're not patrolling your comment section, you can actually do some things with brand sections where you can um, do it automated. So you can have certain words be kind of uh, the comment won't post and stuff like that. Cause I'm not a big CPM maxi, but for sure, like Facebook wants to keep their feed as engaged as possible. And so right. they don't want to have, you know, if somebody's crack pipes and homeless people in the street, like Facebook's going to charge you way more to get into the party than if you're a well-dressed, happy person that's going to make everybody else happy. And so having those comments cleaned up and making sure that there isn't this negative sentiment on your ad that you're actually spending money to get more reach on, it just always blew my mind that people didn't kind of police their their comments, not only for the the keeping the negatives out, but also to get that user feedback. I think it's such a pro tip that's so underrated. It's true. I, I always recommend it. I see it from a lot of our brands, just either not monitoring it or not even like contributing to it. So we need to hide negative stuff and like contribute to the conversation. So that's big. Yeah, even like, uh, one one more point to that is that I think recently what we've tried to do is I haven't, I've gone, I've gone easier on our like customer exclusions a little bit, um, just on like the top of the funnel. Like I'm only excluding maybe like 180 days, right? I want certain people to see it and like kind of leave their responses too, right? Um, and like I've I've noticed that it's it is getting it's like getting a little bit like more engagement in terms of um kind of getting the ads like off to like a good start. It's just people are like 
hey, like, yeah, I tried this. It's good. Maybe handle some objections too. But I think um, that's like one of the tactical sides is like, do you go completely heavy on exclusions? Do you allow a little bit in so that customers can comment on your ads? Um, to your point, it, it ends up becoming like a landing page in itself. Like people are already pre-sold before they even click. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's your take on exclusions, Joa? I'm kind of with Ash where it's like a lot of people like to overly exclude. You know, there naturally is going to be some. Um, something that we do see we do see pretty often is a lot of brands are um, – a lot of their first-time impression ratios are very low. So, like, they're just – 50% of their – like, budget is practically going to retargeting. Um, so, that's a big miss. Um, <laughs> very clear, but that's – that's almost every single time we look at an account. Um, so I agree. You're not going to, you shouldn't exclude fully, um, but be around, you know, 75% or so like 25% of them could be past purchasers or, you know, warmer audience, but you want to try to keep around 75% relatively cold. Um, and I love that idea of how it kind of turns into a landing page um, because I'm a big believer where, again, trying not to think like a marketer where we're doing a lot of landing page testing. And obviously the first question is, what type of landing page works best? Like what format? A listicle? Is it five? Is it a listicle? Is it a sale salesy one? At the end of the day, it's whichever one conveys the message that you're trying to get best. So it isn't that one is necessarily the best. Some might have a more natural format, but I agree with you, Ash, where it's like if you could answer all of the, you know, any of the objectives, objections, um, wherever it is, it could be on a product page. It could be on a home page if you even get it all in there. So it doesn't really matter as long as you're answering the questions in a way that's easy to find. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things and kind of going back to it, that would be like one of the, the brands that struggle post clicker with conversion is, and we see it a lot. It's, they just need to fine tune their messaging on the, on the website. Like your hook is really hitting in this angle. Why isn't your copy matching that? Why aren't you handling the objectives or like, why is your why is your offer not really pushing further? Um, so I'm I'm completely aligned with all of this, and it matches everything that you know I'm kind of seeing with a lot of brands that we look at. Yeah, to your point, like added like different style landing pages, right? Whether it's a sales landing page, listicle, uh, advertorial, right? I think what we've been saying is that the ad in itself, right? Does it make sense that it goes to an advertorial? Does it make sense that it goes to a sales landing page, right? Like, are you trying to maybe even like, like the ads that are like, here's three reasons why you might need collagen, right? I want to send that to maybe a listicle, right? Because it's like, here's the three, maybe there's two more reasons, whatever it is. Um, I think people forget about that. I think people are like, I got to test like landing pages. I got to test all this stuff. And then they use the same ads, but you're not really giving those landing pages like a fair shot. Um, Yeah. So I think you have to tailor the messaging entirely. So for what I've been trying to at least instill in like our, like the graphic or our design team's mind, it's like, okay, what type of person are you going to attract with this graphic? Right. Does it make sense that it's going to, do you think they'll resonate or will the landing page resonate to this person? Right. Like what, like for example, say goodbye to hair loss is our main headline that we've been kind of rocking with. In your head, what does that persona look like to you? And what type of person does that, like, how do you think that person is going to relate to that landing page, right? Are they going to be interested in seeing reasons why, five reasons why this collagen is the best? Or are they trying to understand why they're going through hair loss first 
to then you have have you sell them on a solution which is a collagen supplement, right? So you just have to. I, I think that's one way. Like you can just imagine what the the persona of who is actually going to click on the ad. It it sounds so basic, but I don't think people do that enough. Like they're just pumping out assets and whatever it is and like hoping it converts. But you have to remember again, there's somebody else on the other side of the screen, and how do you tailor that experience the right way? Yeah, I want to jump into that one because I, I have kind of like a unique take that kind of is in line with that where exactly like you said, a lot of people, you know, you see on the timeline, test everything like everybody's like, oh, this worked and everybody goes and rushes to test it. Yeah, I recommend with a lot of these brands that struggle with conversion. Well, they they tend to have a problem of not knowing who their audience is or what makes them tick. So one of the ways that I work to like get that solved fast is a post purchase survey. Um, so either no commerce or I know triple will just released one, um, where you can find out kind of what are the primary reasons people are purchasing your product or how do they plan to use it? So if we're utilizing hair loss, like if you guys see, all right, that's a top three, top three use case that people are utilizing for hair loss, instead of going, thinking creative first think creative last go, okay, the people like, people like our product. That's a line. Yeah. People. So you identify people purchase this to assist with hair loss or prevent hair loss. So now, like you said, what are the objections or what are the questions that they have? Put that in the landing page, whatever the destination is, and now make a creative that matches that. Um, if brands start doing that, you're going to see an absolute, like complete difference in your ads versus just, Oh, this, this hook didn't work. What it's like, like Ash said, like maybe because the destination had nothing to do with it. Um, so working it backwards, I think is the smartest approach. And I don't, really see much people talking about that it's a good uh it's a good point i think one of the best things i've done in the last like few months has set up that post-purchase survey um right now it's like it's five questions um five i don't questions. expect that, yeah i don't What's expect everyone to rate? answer it no What's it's not it's not rate? high it's not high okay um okay. like the by the fifth by the fifth question it, it's not high but if, as long as I get, like, it, people don't have to fill it out. It's just in the thank you uh, order confirmation screen. They leave, they leave. That's fine. But we have the volume to at least get some data. And the biggest thing is the first place is, uh, the first question is, um, where did you first hear about us? Right. And it only goes to new customers. Okay. This helps with attribution, Facebook, TikTok. Where did you hear us? Right. Second question is, what information would be valuable to you right now? right? That has helped us tailor the post-purchase experience, right? So what's actually very interesting is that we found out is that there's still the same questions that a prospective consumer might have is how do I use this? Will this work for me? Um, I want to see real testimonials, reviews, this and that. Like it's still like people have bought, but they're not sold yet. Okay. So Ooh, how do I like, line. that was actually fire. Shit. So how do we take that experience and put it in the post purchase flow? Right. So leading up until they get their items, um, putting in the recipes, how to use, when to use, um, here are top three stories of, um, how people have used the product and they've lost X amount of weight. They've regained the re, re, bleh, regrew their hair, et cetera, et cetera, so that you feel confident and ready to start when the package comes, right? There's a third question, which is, um, was there anything stopping you from purchasing today, right? And I think the biggest thing was like, 
does this work? Price, this and that, right? So for us, it's like, okay, I don't think there's enough social proof on the landing page. And if the majority of the people are like, oh, I'm still like skeptical, maybe I need to add more, right, to the landing page. So not only is this shaping post-purchase, but it's still also helping me shape pre-purchase, right? So I think setting up these like questions that will help you understand how to make this a lot better, even even if it's there's like a 20% completion rate, it's enough data to go back and kind of formulate a better funnel. And you'll probably see a huge lift just from that. So I think there was two other questions, but I'll, I'll have to go back and take a look. Maybe I'll, I'll drop it on Twitter. You know your post-purchase survey is too long when? <laughs> you can't remember <laughs> yes. all the questions. Can't remember, can't remember the questions. <laughs> no, no, I'm totally teasing you. I, I think that's brilliant. And shout out Jeremiah. He's, he's one of the just knows a fantastic product, but he's just one of the just most awesome humans, dude. Like he's just, he's actually been on ROAS. He's such a, just a, just an effing good dude, man. Really good guy. Um, yeah, Ash, that's a really clever way. And I, I love that people have bought, but aren't sold. That's a, get that on the t-shirt. That's a really good line. And I think that's a fantastic mental model. I've never thought of post-purchase surveys that way. And it's going to be interesting because to your point, if you have enough volume, the fidelity of the information becomes more of a priority than the statistical significance, because I have enough, like if a hundred yeah. people say this, 200 people say this, 300 people say it's like, I'm going to listen to that 300 people to a thousand people. It's like, who cares? Right. But if then you get the high, that high fidelity information where, and cause no actually saves each question, right? It doesn't have to wait for one payload. So yeah. I think they're, uh, you're all good there. So even if people don't finish, as long as they do a few questions, you're going to get all that answer. Yeah. That's really clever, Ash. That's yeah. pretty strong. Yeah. Use it for your ads. Use it for post-purchase. Use it for your funnels. Like there's so many questions. Like it's using all the, the context around you. Comments, the reviews, right? Especially your one-star reviews. How One, that not only shapes objections, right? So like one of our biggest complaints is like, oh, I didn't know how to use it, so I want to return it right? Or they tried it in water and they hated it. But there's like 10 other ways you can try the product. Okay, well, how do we how do we turn that one-star review into uh, handling that objection, right? Do we add more recipes to the lander? Do we add more recipes in the post-purchase survey? I think, I mean, uh, post-purchase emails. I think that is like using your comments, your one-star review, one to three-star reviews, post-purchase surveys, even like if you're not, if you're on Amazon, Amazon buyers are very critical going there and like finding like the reviews there. Um, and then just even in your email too. I mean, there's so much like in there that you could just uh, like consolidate and just form a plan around it, you know? So I think a lot of people, you just have to sit down and do it. I think it's a, it's a very tedious thing, but once you do it, it's, it's invaluable. That's great. That's a great segment, man. That's really interesting. What, uh, okay, so now you have the post part. Is this, I guess, before we move on, is this, was this the genesis for the recipe cards? Because those look pretty cool. Yeah. Where you saw people needed more education in terms of how to consume? Yeah. A lot of people were like, when do I take it? How do I take it? And it's like, okay, how do we make sure every single person gets a guide? Because like, yeah, even if you have like a 50% open rate on email, not everyone's going to see it, right? So yeah. like, I want this in your face. I want you, I want this on like your counter, on your bedside table, whenever you have a question, check it out. But yeah, I mean, the, the, it's people loving it. So I think, and it's, it's a small investment to like help LTV. So you can't like look at it as like, oh, it's an added cost, this and that. 
Like just bake it in. Like just bake it in. Yeah, and I also think too, there's two things that go to that because I was working with uh, back at my agency, we had a really cool men's care like beard beard stuff, and we started doing that, and we saw a huge lift um, in LTV to your point because consumption increased. And so you can shorten the sales cycle because if people don't know how to use it and they're kind of kind of sort of using it, then they never go through it. Whereas he was basically pacing his products to have like, if you use it every day, it's like a month of consumption. And he had a sales cycle that was getting into close to 90 days. And it's like, that doesn't work. Like, like why are people not using this? And it was an education issue. And so we started putting yeah. inserts in the package um, like here's some cool ways you can style your beard, yada yada, yada. just kind of you know like educational stuff and like how yeah. to elicit that. And then he went even further where he would make um, basically like uh, countertop organizers, and so like you could uh, out of sight, out of mind. And so people yeah. were putting their beard care like under the sink or whatever, blah blah. blah. Yeah. And now it was right in their face in this organizer. And that was like the craziest product thing because it was actually a really low margin product. Like economics, economics wise, it was a terrible product. Like it was pretty much like a break even product. It was kind of expensive. It was kind of fancy. Yeah. It's kind of hard to ship. But like the implications on the whole marketing ecosystem because people were not only that, there was kind of some knock on effects from people were saying like friends would comment on it. And then so yeah. all this conversation comes. So now you have these second, third order effects because everybody's looking at the product. So I think that's really yeah. clever where um, – you're getting into some high level thinking, but again, I think kind of to Joel's point as well, like people can get so caught in like the arithmetic where it's like, to your point, Ash of like, dude, these are just people fucking trying to better their lives. They just want, yeah. they just want to buy something that's going to make them feel successful. And so like, once you start losing that and you start just doing the math, it's like, man, this isn't, it's not the affiliate game, right? Where it's just a numbers game. Like you got to remember like, you can connect with somebody emotionally and you can make them feel successful, especially early on. Oh man, that's the, that's the game. Like it, it's game over. And then not only that, you have so much runway to really mess up <laughs> quite frankly down the line. <laughs> if you make them feel successful right off the bat, because they believe in you and now they're like, man, I'm so smart for buying this product, et cetera, et cetera. I love that. It's so fascinating. Well, I think one of the biggest things, like even for CrossNet, right? Like it's a completely new sport, a new way to like, I, like entertainment, right? I think, do, do you guys have that problem with like the post-purchase, like just education? Like, how do I play this? Like, how do I use this? Or, you know what I mean? So like, how do you, how, like, what are some ways that you guys tackled that um, over at CrossNet? Yeah, I'm, one, I'm just like soaking up so much knowledge where it's like, that was amazing. Just learning those different tactics that you could utilize, especially like you said, on, on products that you replenish or reuse. Um, so that's the, one of the differences where CrossNet really has, isn't much of a repeat purchase, um, but it still is important to focus on exactly what you guys are saying that, that experience after even you purchase. So we talked about pre-click post-click. Now there's even post-purchase, um, getting people hyped up by the time it, op by the time it arrives to their door. So like even simple, things, interesting. I would do even simple things like set up a, an, on SMS, like it would it would be a delivery notification like that it was delivered and like a GIF of like a UPS driver dropping it off at your door <laughs> and we shift through UPS. So like we would have actual people be like, Hey, that's not my house. I'm like, it's just the text message. But, <laughs> but that's a sign that we have it where it's like so personalized that they really yeah. thought that I would, I had a recording of their own house and the package being delivered. <laughs> so if you could do that, that's pretty good. Um, 
but yeah, on, on the CrossNet side, we still would focus on, um, so one of the be- best ways, it, well, not the best, but it really started off growing by word of mouth. So you would see if you set it up here, it's a game you have to play with other people. So, okay, you play with at least three others. So you're getting word of mouth out there. So if we're getting more people to play or even set up their net, it's a form of advertising for us. Um, so just being able to focus on that post-purchase experience of I want people to focus on playing. It sucks that we don't really have you know a lot of supplemental products or people aren't going to buy another net. But just by getting it out there into the wild and people enjoying the product where a friend that played it might want it for themselves if they're going away to a different college or people just keep seeing it everywhere. Like, damn, I've seen that game everywhere. Maybe I should buy it for my son for, for Christmas this year. Um, and that, that was one of the big things too, where going slightly back to the post-purchase is knowing who your audience is. So when I started CrossNet, we all thought it was like, that the person that's actually playing it, like you would think like a college crowd is what's buying it, but it really is parents buying it for their kids. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly parents buying it for their kids. So knowing who your audience is and then crafting your creative, your landing pages, your angles, everything towards that. So even like how it's safe to use, how it's easy to set up, how it's convenient, all these different things um, really play a big factor in it. Um, but yeah, even, even with a very little LTV lift, um on crossnet it still was an important part of us to get people to take it out be excited to play with it explain to them how to play um and then just try to continue using it because it does take some time to set up it takes like five ten minutes um so you gotta you gotta make people pretty excited to go through that initial friction in order to enjoy the game right that's incredible that's Um, interesting yeah ash are you ready this is a new segment we actually finally have some q a you want to jump All in? Right. You ready to do this? Yeah, let's do it. Amazing. Let's do it. All right. Let's see. Um, okay, we'll start with you, Ash, and then we'll go to you, Joel. If you could start a brand with any celebrity, who would it be? I think we I think we did this one already. We did this one um, already? I think. Tommy, and I, Tommy I you're said, fired. You're fired. <laughs> I said, um, what's his name? Barstool. Oh, oh we did. Remember? Portney. We yeah. did do this. Yeah, yeah we did yeah. do this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joel, what would you go? That's tough. I would just see like who's got the most like loyal and large fan base. So maybe I like basketball, so I'll probably go with like LeBron James or something like that, where it's just you could do so many different things and like he's been had a, such a great career for a long time where it could be something that's longevity focused or performance wise. Um so I think so that's probably my role. You're not burnt at all, huh? You're 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 a heat guy, aren't you? I am. I am a heat guy. And and, and, he, and you totally, totally ditched you guys. Oh, we still winning, baby. <laughs> hey, let's go. They're actually, they're actually, they're actually a teed up client now. Shout out Matthew. Let's go. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. What's the best piece of marketing advice you've ever gotten? We'll start with you this time, Joel, and then we'll go to you, Ash. <laughs> best piece of marketing advice I've gotten. That there's no perfect piece of marketing advice. Just there's no there's no clear answer for everything. Stop. Like you got to go out there and test. Nobody's gonna hand it to you. Look at this. The wise one. The wise words from the Floridian. All right, Mr. Melani, yeah. what you got for me? I think um. I think one of the biggest things, right, is test everything, but also like just can't be complacent. Um, I think when things are going well, you're like, okay, this is going to last forever. You have to keep testing. You have to keep trying new things. 
Because like the minute it stops, then everything falls apart, right? So just don't be complacent and just pretend like every day is a bad day and just keep going. <laughs> I don't think say, it's not horrible. I like that. Pretend like every day is a bad day. I got I in a pessimistic way, but yeah, like pretend every day your back's against the wall and you yeah. perform. I love that underdog mentality. Um, okay, what's the wildest comment you've ever gotten on an ad? Who wants to start? You want to start, Ash? You got anything? I can start to give you guys some um, thoughts. Oh, it's man. not that wild, but um, it's not. We're a, actually. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I was just going to give you. It's not a comment, or it's not that crazy. I just find it hilarious because it's uh, somehow our ads are now break because we're we're starting to spend a little money on Facebook and our ads are breaking into like not necessarily our demographic. And there was just this old white lady, like middle America, saying happy birthday <laughs> to her friend <laughs> on our triple whale. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, Cluth. So, Cluth, if you're out there and you're listening to this, we want to wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> Free trial for Triple Whale. <laughs> Cluth, if you're, whatever you're selling, <laughs> jars of marinade or whatever, Cluth, let's go. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's okay, so what do you got for me, Ash? Um, I, okay, so it's not a comment, but it was a post in the community, which is actually insane. So we, we came out with a, a sex product, called it Lust, right? So this was last year, February, Valentine's Day, we launched Lust and chocolate covered strawberry collagen protein powder, right? And I think a few months later, somebody posted in the community saying, I freaking love you guys. I am finally pregnant. And it was like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> That's kind of awesome, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. changing lives. Yeah, amazing. And it had that. I think had the most engagement in the community for like, oh my god, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. Do you still sell Lust? Is yeah, that still do. on the roster? It is. It that's is amazing. on the roster. Yeah, amazing. I didn't know you guys. No had promotion. Full like that's the thing. No, no promotion, and it just it sells really well. Low, low key, amazing. Great name. Love the name. Yeah, Lust. All right, Joel, what do you got for us? Oh man, I should I shared a good one earlier. That was probably one of my favorites. Um. I would say the funny ones, it's not necessarily an ad because obviously you get all the cuss out ones, all those like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the funniest one is like, we have our, our customer service, like live widget. And, um, a lot of people will text it and it's always like the weirdest context things where I wish I could say, I wish I could say half of these, but they are just not okay to say. Um, but the, the, I'll say the clean one that's pretty funny is just like, babe, like people texting, like, I'll do whatever, like trying to like cut, like win somebody over, ask somebody out. And it's like, dude, you're literally texting a ball on that right now. And like, it's, it's funny. Like you'll, if you follow Greg on Twitter, you'll see you're like, dude, literally a volleyball net. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's drive through. Uh, dude, that reminds me of like, even in our like postscript account, you can see people responding back. And I saw one where it's like, somebody was like responding back to somebody who goes, you're a deadbeat dad. You're never here for your kid. And I'm like, ma'am, we're selling collagen. That's, that's what I'm saying. There's so many. Oh, God. Like, how do you mess that up? Like it's a long message. So you're in there texting that's a long ass message to us. If oh, you weren't awesome. making your ad comments, you've been missing out on some good humor, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, at the worst, just check your comments for uh, comedic value. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a, a little more tactical. What keeps an e-commerce business from hitting $1 million in revenue? 
let's start with you, Ash, and then we'll go to you, Joel. Um, I think there's there's two sides to it. I think there's the marketing side to it, and I think there's the finance and ops side. Um, I'll take the marketing. Ron is rubbing s- off on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think on the marketing side, it's like one. I think people try to do too much at in the beginning. Um, like even some of my mentor pass calls, like there are brands that are trying to promote all of their products at one time. Um, like even if like if say like a supplement, I had a call with a supplement company, and it's like they're trying to they're just trying to advertise everything, right? Yep. And it's like pick one, pick the route that you want to go, and what's the best like the lowest CAC for the product, highest LTV product, and just go all in on that. And then on the back end, figure out everything else, right? So don't spread yourself too thin. Um, just like just silo and just gun for it. And then once you figure that out properly, then you can start applying it to other things. So I think just go, just narrow the focus a little bit and I think you'd be good. Incredible. What about you, Joel? Yeah, I kind of have a similar sentiment where you're like, you haven't figured much out yet. Um, where you really need to figure out what's your one, your best piece of creative, like what's resonating the most, um, and getting the message out effectively. So if you're trying to reach seven figures, you need to figure out what's resonating again, and then how can you push that? Um, the brands that I see that are in the very low, like seven figures typically don't have those answers yet. Um, like if you were to ask them, like, who's your target demographic and they can't answer that question. Um, so I feel like you need to really be laser focused on that kind of test a little bit less and hone in on, you know, those core components, um, after you get, you know, around that seven figure break into the seven figures is when you can start expanding out kind of like Ash is saying, like now you've, you could focus on expanding your product catalog, all these other factors or channels, even if you're advertising, but in the beginning, you need to still build the core business and understand it. I love that. That's absolutely it. I think that's super smart. Um, okay, cool. Let's go to some Twitter ones. All right. So this is from Jess at Higher Fire Team, who he's just absolutely, I love him. He's such a troll, but he just cracks me up. I love him. Um, and maybe you can kind of answer this, Joel, but the question is, why is there only four live ads in the CrossNet Ads Library and three of them linked to Amazon? Okay. I can't answer to the Amazon. Um, I can't answer to that part. Um, I could, I definitely know a little bit more on like the four ads. So that would be an example of just getting like, there are different personas that we've worked on at, mm-hmm. at CrossNet where it's like we said, there's parents, there's a college crowd, there's a training tool, there's organizations. Um, so being able to have like a landing page that's tailored towards all of those and then making variants of your creative um that highlight that like i know we had a ton of success making custom landing pages where for example um if we're going after parents just because i was the the biggest you know the biggest one that we could go after every single review was around a parent and how it benefits the kid all the benefit points were talking in that frame and that worked really well so what i think that they should do is uh reflect that in the creative variants um Mm -hmm. So yeah, the Amazon I can't speak to, but I know uh, creative, they should be testing a little bit more, highlighting those different audiences. Amazing. Fantastic. Um, okay. This one, Ash, what do you think, or both of you guys can answer, what's the single most important lever for scaling ad accounts right now? 
This is from Bowtied Komodo. What a great handle. Um, I think offers, offers, offers and landing pages and really like making sure you understand your LTV metrics. Amazing. Amazing. LTV offers landing pages. What are your thoughts on PDPs? No good? Are you using them or no? Or pro product display pages. Sorry. We haven't used them. In fact, I like, I want to redo them based off of the data that we're seeing. So like yep. people who do search. So for example, our main landers convert anywhere from like five to 8% on, on a good day. It's amazing. Let's go, on an kids. okay day. It's yeah. Um, but when I look at people who search for the brand and they come in through a product page, the conversion rate is really low. So I want to redo it a little bit. I don't think we have like all the, the landing page has all the aspects of the objections, like the whole story and everything product page is Here's what the product is. Here's a supplement panel. Bye. Right. So I think we could do a little bit better job over there. Um, but I know there are some brands that are like crushing with, with product pages, but also to their point, there's a lot more information on it. So if you can, the whole point is to handle the objections. And if you could do that with your product page, I think people will have success there. Amazing. Yeah. What about you, Joel? Yeah, I would say what I see uh, that prevents brands from scaling, like what lets them really achieve the skill that they want is uh, AOV. So boosting AOV mm -hmm. is what I see a ton. Um, there's so many brands that like the first plan of attack that we do is like, okay, you know, we're not at our, at, we're not at our ROAS targets. We have a bit to go, but it's because your AOV is still low. Um, so pretty similar to what Ash is saying. The way you really do that is offer testing. Landing pages is a great vehicle to accomplish that. So we've had success like bundling or um, highlighting more of your top selling products. So I know one feature that I really enjoy on Triple Wheel Dash is um, it, it helps you really find what products are frequently purchased together. Um, mm -hmm. So again, how I like to work backwards, instead of you just coming up with random ideas, just go look at what people tend to buy together and now offer that as a bundle um, to try to increase the AOV. Now you have more room to spend for your customer acquisition cost, and that's likely going to unlock the scale that you want to achieve. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you for the question, Bowtied Komodo. Okay, let's do, let's do one more. Well, Ash, you have a good one, too, that you submitted. Do you want to do yours or have another one? Because we're bumping against it. We'll, we'll see if we can sneak it in. So, uh, Joel, this would be really good for you. Ash, not super applicable, and I can kind of answer this as well. This is from, oh, fucking uh, Mead, brother. Get out of here. What <laughs> is Mead? Get out of here, Greg. What are you doing? Get down here and play some damn pickleball. Um, how is it going from an in-house brand agents, um, in-house brand to agency life? Would you, what would you recommend to someone just starting out? That's a great question. Um, I would recommend going brand first. Um, mm -hmm. Again, especially like I mentioned, being able to go really, really deep is where you're going to pick up a lot of those skill sets. Um, when you're at an agency, now it's kind of like apply those learnings across the board. Um, so I really recommend going deep first and I'm very, very glad that I went that route, especially, um, at CrossNet, just because there was so many learnings where, like I mentioned, we're in multiple different countries. Uh, there's a lot of unique challenges We're in, we're in multiple channels. So there's learnings that now I could apply to brands that are eight, nine figures that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. Um, so I would strongly recommend go deep, get as much learning as you can. Um, agency is good, very good for learning. Um, a lot of times if you want to specialize into one specific category, 
Um, so you can become really good at that category, but I still think there's the best route is go brand first and then spread your wings more. Yeah. I don't know if I would argue with that. I think that's pretty smart. I did the opposite where, um, well, that's not true. I did a lot of lower level brand stuff, um, when I was younger, but, um, eventually moved into the agency life. I will say agency life is just a lot harder. It's like having a bunch of mistresses versus one wife. Um, it's just a lot, lot harder. Uh, when things are going good, it's great. You're, I'm, I'm a king. This life is great. I'm printing money. I'm a god. Um, and then it just takes two or three accounts to kind of the wheels start shaking, and it is just stress to the gills. Uh, great money. You'll probably make more money at agency, quite frankly, until you get to kind of higher level, like Joel's position, like higher level at an agency. But you, you'll probably make uh, more money at an agency than an in-house brand. But it's in my opinion, a lot harder kind of to all the points Joel was making. It's a lot harder to learn because you're expected to just crush, crush, crush. There's just crazy incentives. The economics are a lot weirder in an agency than they are in an in-house brand where that you're just a burn rate and you figure it out where an agency life, you're running a book, you're expected to do X, Y, and Z. Um, it's agency life in my opinion is just, or from my experience is just really hard, uh, great money, but it's very hard. Um, in-house brand is, uh, in my opinion, the way to go. But, I think for all the, the points Joel made that I would I would recommend going in-house brand and then moving into either a boutique agency or actually um, agency life. Yeah. Well, we were Amazing. an agency first before we started Avi. Um, really? Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, people, I, I, we've I, even on you're not your own as we we were so we had a boutique agency um, for like four years, but we worked on a lot of health and wellness uh, companies, so yeah. we were like very niche in that in that aspect um but to like both your points i I think just there was one thing that really set us off the edge and we're like all right we have to start avi was like you can get a brand like out the gate and like pumping like marketing is doing well but they haven't covered their other aspects of it like finance supply chain this and that and that is where we kind of like we're at the mercy of them Right. So if, if they fuck up their finances and they can't supply any more inventory, this and that, and then, all right, now we have to take a break for two months for the brand. Like, where are we going to make our money? That's where it was like, all right, we can't keep doing this. At least let us start a brand where all of it is on us. And Robert, to your point, obviously the first two years we didn't take a paycheck. Um, and it, it's like, it is a labor of love, but until you, once you get to that point, okay, now you start some making some real money, but you've learned, you've, you've taken what you've learned from the agency side of, how brands have failed and you know not to do certain things. So I, I like both sides, honestly. I think I think the learnings are great on, on both sides. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that point up because that would be how I put it, uh, like put a bow on it is when you're working with a brand, you control all the actors in a play. When you're working at an agency, it's your, your uh, how do I say it? Their fault, your problem. And that's a horrible place yeah. to be. It's a horrible place to be where it's like, hey, I'm Left out of up. my top selling SKUs. Why Why is revenue down? Well, like if the top three or four players are out on the basketball team, how do you expect us to win games? And you want me to scale, scale paid? And like, and so that's a real big challenge. Uh, that's, those are great points, Ash, where I know a lot of really good people that know product well. They're horrible operators. have no clue how economics work, have no clue how supply chain works. They're just great at selling product. And like they've they just came up with a good a product headwinds. Yeah. yeah, they you can just go into a lot of headwinds. Um, that's fantastic. Okay, I know we're pushing up against it. So since we did a Q and A this time, 
Um, we're going to try and make this more regular, so we're not going to do any creepy questions. Joel, are you guys taking more clients at Homestead? Where can the people find you? Let the people know this time is yours, my friend. Absolutely. Yes, if you'd like to work with us, get an audit. Uh, go to homesteadstudio.co. Happy to talk to you, get you live before Q4. Um, if you want to reach out to me, check me out on Twitter, Joel Padron. Um, slide in the DMs. I always answer. Might not post too much, but uh, always happy to help. You're just out there lurking in the Twitterverse. When you when you see some some good pickleball trash talk, you'll pop up for for a couple tweeter there. <laughs> um, Busy put in, work. put in work, pop up when there's pickleball. Exactly, love it. All right, folks, if you drive by a vitamin shop, what needs to happen, Ash Malani? You need to get out, out of your car, walk into the vitamin shop, <laughs> ask them where Avi is, Move ask them the why shelf. it's not on the top shelf. <laughs> Move it to the top shelf, take a picture and tag me. On Twitter, um, uh, yeah, and uh, I'm on Mentor Pass. Um, you know, Mentor Black Friday is coming up, so if you need some solid uh, strategy, let me know. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Ashvin Malwani. Amazing, amazing. Um, and if you do want to get more involved in Triple Well, we are triplewell.com. We have a fantastic newsletter that goes out every Tuesday, Thursday that Ash Malwani has actually contributed to. Joel, we got to get you some essays in there. Um, you can subscribe right at triplewell.com. Yeah, let's go. Triplewell.com slash whale mail. Um, subscribe right there. What else we got? We've got a fantastic YouTube channel. And if you actually like this podcast, you should definitely share it with your friends and uh, leave us a review or subscribe to the YouTube channel. I think I already said that. What else we got? I think that's it, Milani, right? That's it. Done. Leave some questions for next time. Oh, yeah. Tweet at us, uh, either at Triple Whale or at Ash or I, and we'll start to aggregate these questions. Tommy's fantastic at putting all these in a Notion doc for me, except he, he reused that one. So, you know, we'll put him in the put him in the, uh, the cage for a couple hours. You're done. You're fired. No, I love you, Tommy. Um, fantastic. That's another ad spin of the books. Joel, thank you so much, man. you got to get you down here to Austin, or I'll, I'll come over to Miami. We'll play some pickle. We'll get it done. Thank you for having me. Very excited for that. See you soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Ash, always a pleasure, my man. We also need to get you down to Austin, figure all the stuff out, and we'll get you down here sooner or later. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> I've, been, I've been wanting to come, man. We'll, know, we'll be there soon. Well, and, and you waited out the heat. It's nice. It's beautiful weather now. It's fantastic now. Now, yeah, now it's like excited. the golden era in Austin. So it's fantastic. All right, folks, that's another ad spin to the books. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you all on the flip.